What Happened to Your Accent is produced by Fat World, the Caribbean Podcast Network. Hey, hey, lost your accent or warm to you? What happened to your accent? 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 ¿Qué le pasó a tu acento? Are you ready for this earth storm? Can you feel it, yeah? We in Africa once again, oh yes. We demand, we demand reparations now. Okay, welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. Yay! Happy New Year, happy 2020. Yes, yes, we are back. What happened to your accent? Season two kicking off. Yes, mm, I can't believe it was season two already. I know, right? We only had like a couple of episodes, season it's, one. It's all good. We define, we create. <laughs> we what create this, what, what the seasons like. are. Okay. For <laughs> sure, for sure. I'm here, Jerk Sauce, back on the mic. Mansa, I'm here in the building. And uh, we're kicking off the year with uh, a super serious, uh, super important topic that we felt it was important to highlight to our listening community. Uh, We are going to have the discussion. We're going to have our own discussion about reparations. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk the things. We're going to talk about uh, what that means for Caribbean people, what that means for us Caribbean millennials, what that means for, you know, being a first gen Caribbean in America, we're going to talk about and touch on the ADOS movement, Mm -hmm. the hashtag ADOS movement. Where do we fit in? What is it? What is it about? Um, Thoughts, feelings. So we're going to talk about all of that. However, it is my absolute honor uh, to introduce our newly um, onboard in-house scholar. Yes, That's right. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to just join in with this introduction um, coming to you live um, here as a member of the Fet World family. We have the one and only Cat. Yes. Yay. Yay. We're going to get excited. We're very excited about Insert this. Insert the uh, audience clap here. <laughs> <laughs> she is the uh, the founder and CEO of Caribbean Scholar Tings, which is a podcast uh, that also has merch. So definitely it is a growing and expanding brand. So she is now our in-house resident scholar. <laughs> so Kat, welcome. Introduce yourself to the people. Uh, welcome. Share. Yeah. Let, let's hear from you. Thank you. Thank you both for having me here today. So excited to talk to everybody. So yeah, so my name is Kat J. Stevens, and I am currently a doctoral student at the University of Massachusetts Amherst um, in their higher education program. So um, what have I done? Let me see. So right now I'm studying higher education. I finished my master's uh, at Teachers College Columbia University, where I also studied higher education. And I did my undergraduate at Sarah Lawrence College, where I studied a bunch of different things. So Caribbean lit, sociology, ed policy, uh, writing, amongst many other things. And I started out at Borough of Manhattan Community College, where I studied writing and lit, and then transferred to Sarah Lawrence College. Um, So I do have a podcast named Caribbean Scholar Things. And so for me, that kind of started out as a pathway for me to create something that I didn't see, something that I saw was missing. There are quite a few black scholars that are making podcasts, but I haven't found any that are specific to the region or to um, the people. And the people that I study, 
the region that I care about and folks that are like from where I'm from, which is Guyana. I'm going to big up Guyana. Big up to the Guyanese hey, family. We have a GT in the house. GT in the house. So that's kind of how that started. So I, I wanted to just ask a quick question. I, I remember in our offline, we had a discussion. Mm-hmm. And I remember making this uh, making a statement. I said, I'm a Pan-Africanist. <laughs> sure did. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> a new term came up. Yeah. And made me question a little bit, just a little bit of my Pan-Africanism. And that term was Caribbeanist. Can yes. you talk to us a little bit about what a Caribbeanist is before we yes. dive in? Yes. I am a proud Caribbeanist. I think uh, when I first started on my Black Studies journey, I would have probably said I was a Pan-Africanist, but I've since segued into being a Caribbeanist. So a Caribbeanist is a scholar who specializes in the study of all things Caribbean and the region. Um, so they may study history, literature, culture, politics, society, economics, ecology, um, climate change, any number of things pertaining to the region and people from the region. So I myself mm, focus on students um, in the United States, but I also focus on students that are outside of the U.S. in the region. Mm -hmm. But my study and my research is more so focused on Caribbean-centered everything and how all of these different aspects of our lives compel us to do the things that we're doing and help us make our decisions in the world, whether we're in the region or outside of the region. So I'm a Caribbeanist and I focus, I see everything through a lens of thinking about the Caribbean. Now, I really feel like for for merch, that's a shirt. Yes. That's a shirt. That's a shirt. Yeah. It's coming soon. Just know that. Just know that. We'll be putting up on Fat World and give you the link. Coming to the, the online store near <laughs> right. you. Exactly. I um, am a Caribbeanist. That's a fire thing. You know that piggybacks off of uh, Major Hype's t-shirt that says I'm rooting for all people for Cari- Car- Caribbean. Right. Yeah. Which which came yes. from, uh, what's her name from um, the show? Issa Rae. Issa Rae. I'm, I'm rooting, rooting for everyone, for everyone black. black. Yeah. So, I like yeah. the iterations yeah, of the iterations. it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So... Here's the thing. So now we have our resident Pan-Africanist, mm-hmm. Mansa. We have our resident scholar and resident Caribbeanist, um, Kat. Mm-hmm. And uh, I am, as I sit before you both today in this episode, a figure it outist, right? So, I love so, it. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so Kat and I were having an mm-hmm. offline discussion before we got started. Uh, you know, I am definitely a full proponent of seeing all sides of the coin. I want all the information. So that way, when I make a decision, I'm able to substantiate my decision, align it with my morale and value system, and then move forward in my truth. So I am currently in the midst of this discussion as a figure it outist. That too is a shirt. Figure it outist Love by it. jerk sauce coming to merch. You know, because that's you know at the crux of it all. I think that's the broad brush scope of life. You're you're moving through uh, this time space continuum, constantly being given things to figure out. Right. 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 Whether it pertains to your identity, um, your your who you identify with, who you don't identify with, likes, dislikes, you know. So not to, to divert too much from our conversation, um, that's where we are all standing uh, right. in this yeah. discussion it today. It's really important to give that level of context so yes. people understand where a lot of our <laughs> energies are coming from. Right. Word. So let's just dive right in, right? So let's, yeah, let's kick it off by... Let's defining. Um, yes, the words, the word reparations has been heard a lot. It's been kicked around a lot, especially if you've been watching the uh, 
presidential, the 2020 presidential debates. It's mm-hmm. it's a word that's finally um, being spoken about on a broad national platform, right? So not only here in the states, but also in the Caribbean. So let's define what reparations actually is. Now, taking it a little bit out of context and just getting a broad brush definition, according to the dictionary, reparation, the making of amends for a wrong one has done by paying money to or otherwise helping those who have been wronged. So that is the Unbi, I guess, well, depending on who wrote the dictionary, <laughs> that is how reparations in the dictionary is defined. Now, as it pertains to slavery, I'm going to kick this question over to either Kat or Mansa, whoever wants to tee up first. Um, how do you define reparations? Mm-hmm. I'm looking to the resident scholar here. So I would I would agree with that. I think that's a basic entryway into thinking about reparations um, and reparations shows up many different ways and many iterations there are many ways to like slice nice and onion so to speak you can reparations can show up in many ways so whether it's monetary dollars but beyond that it's like also including um, educate pathways to education for example it's other tangible things that Besides cutting a check for folks, besides mm-hmm. just giving people money, um, it's an understanding and acknowledgement of harms over a large period of time that have continued to extend beyond the period of injury. So mm-hmm. I would mm-hmm. say that that's a solid way to think about reparations and right. asking for what you need um, beyond like people think it's just cutting a check and it's so much more than that. Right, right. And, and I totally agree with that. Um, I start from a place of thinking about it as first the uh, acknowledgement, the apology. Mm-hmm. You can't go anywhere in a situation, right? When you've done wrong, uh, for instance, if you're in any kind of relationship that you have, right? In order for that relationship to be made whole when someone has done wrong, it's first the acknowledgement that there's been something that's happened. <laughs> and I think reparation, when we, we talk about it, it's just like, oh yeah, it gives, gives money. It's like, well, well, first, before we even do that, we need an acknowledgement, right? So when people get usually, when you hear about certain situations, right, um, and companies pay off dollars to, in terms of a settlement, they pay off sometimes not with the acknowledgement that they did anything wrong. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's always been a big problem. Mm-hmm. I don't, if I'm coming to, to get into, let's say, into a case and I've sued somebody mm-hmm. and I'm supposed mm-hmm. to get now a, a settlement, right. my settlement got to include an apology, Brendan. <laughs> you know, those will push me off to the side. like Because I think it, that's the important part, I think, for me. That begins the conversation about mm-hmm. reparations because I first need that level of acknowledgement. So to that point, I'm actually happy that you went that way because... As I was listening, as I was doing my research, I was listening to a lecture given by Dr. Hillary Beckles. Mm-hmm. And he made that distinction between, because a lot of times what you'll see is you'll see a larger entity uh, that's being accused. Um, they will make a statement of regret, not an apology. And he made the distinction that when you make a statement of regret, it is simply saying, Ooh, this happened to you. Oops, you know. Yeah. You know, that's unfortunate that that happened to you, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's the end of the conversation. Mm-hmm. Versus when you say, I apologize for what happened to you. It is in that 
that apology, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Therein lies the acceptance of responsibility. Right. And any recourse that that individual who has been wronged, it, now the responsibility lies on the individual who has now accepted the responsibility. Right. And right. he gave the analogy of if he walked into a room and stepped on someone's toe. And if he says, oh, I regret stepping on your toes. Oh, Okay, that's great. We all have regrets, right? Mm -hmm. However, if he says, I apologize for stepping on your feet, God forbid that person's toe who he stepped on, he broke that person's toe. That person has diabetes. Now that person can seek legal recourse and say, hey, here is the bill. Here's the doctor's bill because you have out loud accepted that responsibility, Right. right? Right. I thought that was just such a clear distinction. Mm -hmm. And so in every reparations conversation, I think that it is that apology, accepting responsibility, because now that you've accepted responsibility Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and ownership, now we can have a true conversation. What are we going to do about it? Right. Right. I think that's such an important um, point to, to consider, especially if you think about folks like can give you an apology, but say, I'm sorry you felt that way. Like right. the non-apology right. apology, which is actual <laughs> BS. Um, no, you can say it. it's bullshit. Okay, Go ahead. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, did I do that? Uh, but it's actual nonsense. And uh, so, for example, Professor Vereen Shepard um, from UWE, um, in 2013, she sits on the uh, reparations commission um, in Jamaica. And she also noted that with that apology comes an understanding that you are liable for something. Mm-hmm. And if you do not give that apology, then you're kind of like, may I help us, something happened, but I don't know how it happened. Right, right. You found yourself in a situation, I'm sorry you felt that way. Uh, it's a, it's such a essential foundation um, to kick everything off. And as we talk about reparation and how there are many iterations of that, right? What can actually be done? We talked, we, we heard about economics. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we heard about, you know, product like cash payment. Um, but therein lies the rub, right? If we can't, we can't get past this conversation if you haven't said, yo, listen, I'm sorry. And also the acknowledgement of the fact that generations have benefited from the wrong, right? <laughs> so in this discussion today, as we're going down and we're going to be breaking things down, we have to understand that what we're talking about reparations for is for slavery mm-hmm. and the atrocities associated with slavery and those who have benefited from slavery to our disadvantage, mm-hmm. right? Who have built societies and countries and wealth over generation after generation on the backs of black folks, especially here in the, in the, in the Caribbean. I'm going to share this um, Dr. Beckles um, lecture with everyone because he talked and gave like literally examples of that. And Dr. Beckles is from Barbados. Mm -hmm. And so he was giving a speech in St. Vincent and the Grenadines and he literally showed pictures and, and walked everyone through the story of how a poor white man from Britain was able to go to Barbados as an indentured server servant and literally um, become, well, his third generation in, right? So he started off by buying two slaves. His son then inherited 10 slaves and so on and so forth. And they literally built an entire empire Mm -hmm. in Barbados 
through the slave trade, ended up marrying into the royal family of Britain. Like, it's a whole... <laughs> Listen, wow. I was incensed. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. So there's that. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But I just wanted to bring bring our conversation to talking about cat uh, you mentioned in 2013 right mm-hmm. the establishment of the caricom and how they they well uh, i'm alluding to the fact that they have a 10 point plan right. um can we talk a little bit about the current discussions that are going on um around the world and specifically in the caribbean context about reparations and the move the the actual forward progressive movement mm-hmm. um that's happening yeah. yeah, absolutely. And so one point that I want to bring in is that Sir Hilary Beckles, um, the historian, is currently the vice chancellor of the University of West Indies System mm-hmm. um, and also the chairman of the CARICOM Reparations Committee. Mm-hmm. Now, for those who don't know right. who CARICOM is, right, That's the it's, it's short for Caribbean community. Um, and it's made up of all 20 countries, I believe. Thir- I think it's 30. It's 30? Okay. Yeah, it's 30 right. now. 30 However, now. Mm-hmm. sorry to cut you, but only half of that third half of those countries are on board with the reparations commission oh, only wow. half mm. yeah Whoa. interesting right and so uh these group of countries came together to really you know basically come as as a single entity that's really working on behalf of the caribbean as a whole so ensuring that caribbean interests are being kind of thought about across the world and working together as a unified front mm-hmm. to address issues impacting caribbean nations can i just make uh, an aside comment how proud when I when I read about this and I was actually, you know, digging and doing the research, I was I was very proud because oftentimes the news that you hear coming out of the Caribbean is negative. It's about violence. It's it's about bloodshed. It's never really this cohesive and this together and organized. So I am so proud, mm-hmm. not just as a descendant of Jamaicans, but um, and Africans, because I do consider myself, yes, not only do I come from Jamaican lineage, but those Jamaicans came from Africa Absolutely. at the end of the day. So, you know, we just making one pit stop. But anyway, back to the main <laughs> conversation. Um, I was very proud of how they came together and they organized and they have a plan. Right. 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 So the 10 point reparation plan, you can actually find it on caricomreparations.org. But the 10 point reparation plan, as I go through it really quickly, we have a full formal apology. Oh. That's right. Number one. Number two, re- repatriation. Number three, indigenous people's development program, which is so important. Yes. Number four, cultural institutions, because we have culture. Yes. Mm-hmm. Five, public health crisis. Yes. Six, liter- illiteracy eradication. Uh, Seven, mm. African knowledge program. Mm. Eight, psychological rehabilitation. Come on, somebody. Jesus. Nine, technology transfer. And ten, debt cancellation. Come on. So, let me say like, I'm I on mean, board for all ten. Let's go. Let's go. Yo, <laughs> Can big I just... ups to the Carrot Cup, yo. <laughs> listen, Carrot Cup, do I'm gonna, yo, and listen, I think this is so important that we need to be putting money I don't know where they have a, a place to put a link and set up a PayPal or something because these are the things we, we should, should be investing, investing in. Yeah, right. Absolutely. So if you're interested, you can visit caricomreparations.org for the 10-point plan that has been put together. C-A-R-I-C-O-M reparations, R-E-P-A-R 
S-T-I-O-N-S dot org. Get a little pause there. <laughs> Everybody about to check your degrees now. They about to go online and look it up. Jerks Loss did attend higher education. So, it's okay. <laughs> so just if you want to go and get more information for yourself, because there is uh, extended information under each 10 point. There is extensive information. I am super um, excited to see um, that there are addressing the public health crisis, also illiteracy eradication. Yes, yes. illiteracy still exists yes. in yes. the Caribbean. Oh, come on, um, come on. Also, African knowledge programs. For real. Let me tell you something. A couple of years ago, I remember having a conversation with Papa Jerk Sauce, and I said, hey, you're getting ready to retire. What are you doing? Right? Um, you have amassed a wealth of knowledge about African history. What's going on? He said, you know, there's very few people that I can have these conversations with back at home. Because if I have these conversations, um, the mindset of the people, of the masses, have not adjusted to accept. Something else that um, Mr. Beckles mentioned, he said that, and he gave credence to the, the Rastafarian people, which, yes. yo, listen, mm -hmm. I was like, yes. Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. Right. He gave credence to them. He said, these are the topics and the issues that Rastafarians have been talking about for years. We think them are sing both mm -hmm. in our them mm -hmm. song. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. You have to liberate the people. You have Absolutely. to teach them. You have to get... Yo, listen. Absolutely. What? Yeah. It's so it's so true. So true. I am, unfortunately, thinking about getting another degree after this PhD. Not unfortunately, no, sis. Not we need you. Like, we need you. Uh, get all the degrees. Listen. Five or six is enough. Okay. <laughs> By then, I'm done. By then, I'm done. But... <laughs> Five or six, good. I think. I think. You think you're good after that? Yeah. But saying that you bring up Rastafarians, I'm mm -hmm. literally, definitely going to be getting another degree in theology, focusing on Caribbean and Indigenous uh, faith systems, including mm. that system, because mm. it informs so much of how we think, how we move, um, and liberatory practices going forward. And we have to look backwards to get that. That's and I think that's, that's so missing true. in the conversation because we just toss them aside and oh they just smoke and oh they just no no they 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 about that they, they about smoke that for a reason they I about that life yeah. it's medicinal it is literally for ascension but all so. exactly this, speaking to that I remember there was a summer where literally all I listened to was culture mm -hmm. roots rock culture um, and I said oh this is what they're talking about. Oh, they smoke to remove the veil, to get closer to God, not to be high, not to be unproductive, so they can listen clearly and hear the voice of God. That's why they, oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. actually I came across, um, an article that I didn't have time to read because I was in the Babylon system doing the people at work <laughs> mm -hmm. that that suggested that Moses was actually on psychedelics when he heard the voice of God. So yeah. and that's that's well, not listen, a far fetched thing, though. And, and because we go back and think about how Christianity and those other religions were used as a ways to oppress the people. And though I, like I, I thought I told somebody the other day because they were like, like you know, they would consider other kinds of religions like this pagan religion. Mm -hmm. I said, you know, let's take Christianity for a second and think how pagan Christianity is. The body and blood of Christ. When they say that you're taking in communion, mm -hmm. they're saying that it transforms mm -hmm. into the literal blood and body of Christ. Doesn't that sound like cannibalism to you? And so when you, I'm just people just sometimes they hear things and they're just like, oh yes, this is some holy, holy thing. Well, let's get into 
these things. And every other religion has a place in mm -hmm. the conversation. Right. And we should look at it equally. Now, I have parents who are super, and this we, is why. We, we know, Dave. Oh. <laughs> I'm circling back to reparations here. This is why it's so important. Because you have, in our Caribbean culture, Christianity is seen as the, it was one of the biggest influencers in the way we think about the world around us. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so they're thinking that the blood of Christ and Jesus is going to be able to help get them to be free. However, hold on, the, hold on. Mm -hmm. Scripture also says faith without works is dead. I think that what happens is in the translation, in the, the preaching and teaching, right? People tend to, you hear what you're ready to hear. You hear what you want to hear. So I don't think the whole, I don't think the whole thing is bad. Like, I don't think the whole thing should be thrown because it is a faith system, right? I hear and you. there are, there are still gems of wisdom in that system. However, we were not taught to use that information to think and decipher and interpret for ourselves and how we can apply it for our daily lives ourselves. Yes, it was a tool of control. Yes, and I'm still, not saying that. And I'm just saying. Are you we, speaking specifically in Caribbean countries? What I'm talking about, in Caribbean countries. Okay. Mm -hmm. They are a little be, cultish. It's okay. a cultish way of thinking. Okay. And Christianity is not really used to you, like you're talking about Tim. an evolved understanding of Christianity, mm -hmm. meaning that you stepped outside of Christian way of thinking to understand that how you could apply your level of intellect and understanding to Christianity itself. You're pulling out gems. You're looking at the Bible as a, as a place of where you can find some understanding, not as literal interpretation. Okay, now I understand and, your context. And so, okay. like that, what I'm saying, I think. For okay, me, man, so I get yeah, the big part of problems is, is reparations. It's like is these are the things that continue. When you talk about right. um, eradication um, of. Um, Illiteracy, mm -hmm. right? We wouldn't even even being able to talk to read. So then, reading—the only thing we could read was right, the scripture. Was, was scripture, and right. then it was used. And so, I guess what I'm saying here is, when you think about reparations, it's a very difficult conversation. Why are only 15 countries on board with this? Because it's a mindset. Right. It's also a mindset. Right. Um, we just read across 10 great things that we're all excited about. And I'm wondering to myself, if you're, what other, what are the issues now, right? And that all countries shouldn't be on mm -hmm. board with this. Right. So mm -hmm. I wish, you know, I think for probably whether in future discussions or if anyone has any information on that, mm -hmm. what are the reasons why not all Caribbean countries are signed on to the CARICOM reparations? There could plan? be some political ties. Maybe some other countries are afraid to quote unquote, break away from that power, right? Mm -hmm. Because for a long time, you know, Jamaica was dependent on, the, well, not just Jamaica alone, right? All Caribbean countries mm -hmm. were dependent upon the the countries that enslaved them, right? right. So when you look at um, the damage France has done to Haiti, and that's, that is a whole show, mm. right? Shout out to my Haitian brothers and sisters. And yo, listen, that 1804, and I'm not, selling anything or or being endorsed to share it listen 1804 please 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 if you have a computer if you have a laptop please take a look at 1804 so you can learn about desalines yes so you can learn about the importance of what our haitian brothers and sisters did and how they inspired other caribbeans um caribbean countries mm -hmm. and also um the caribbeans uh, uh, Sorry, the Caribbean people in um, 
South America, right? right. Mm-hmm. They inspired and influenced other revolutions that started taking place in places like Venezuela and Colombia. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're talking about one group of African people that maintained so much of their Africanness and refused to be mm-hmm. broken. Mm-hmm. And it's unfortunate how, um, and I know this is gr- growing a tangent, this is an, another show, mm-hmm. but how they like i said they retain most of their african spirituality despite the fact that mm-hmm. christianity was taught to them right. um how they used um their knowledge of plants and science to gain their freedom mm-hmm. so that's a different show but bringing us back to um the discussion about reparations and what's happening in caribbean countries so we talked about the 10 point plan right that caricom has set up and by and i think i mentioned caricom has been um together since 2013 so this is not something that just happened yesterday uh this has been a movement and people organizing and gathering and gathering research and documentation because you know now you have to yeah make your case well 2013 is pretty fairly new to me like mm-hmm. that's only seven years ago true you know so in terms of this discussion this level of and this level of, right and, and of what they're trying to do yeah. right that seven years that means they're that's fairly to me Personally, that's fairly new. I just want to jump in with some clarification there. Please. Uh-huh. CARICOM itself was founded in 1973. Oh. But that reparations, reparations. Are, conversation oh, okay. from 2013, just so everyone's clear. Yes. Right, Thank, right. See, our resident scholar yeah, at work. Just fact check. Right. <laughs> I'm like, I want anybody coming. No, she right. She is no, absolutely like, right. I like you know, that. We want to give you the right information. Um, so let's just dive into some examples of reparations that we've seen throughout history. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Um, so there have been a couple of examples. One that comes to mind, of course, is what happened with uh, Jews after Nazis and, of course, the Holocaust. Mm-hmm. And um, they were provided with up to a couple, well, in today's numbers, $7 billion um, that Germany had to pay back to Israel. Um, and also directly paid money directly to some of the, of course, victims of the Holocaust and some of their families. Um, and that was, that's just, that's right here in your face, right? That's what happened. Um, and so that was, I think, one of the, the big examples. Uh, we also know in America, the Japanese internment camps, right? right? Mm-hmm. Um, when, of course, they were worried because Japan had bombed Pearl Harbor and they thought that all the Japanese here were going to be part of some plot. And they threw these folks into, into internment camps. Um, the United States paid them back, paid them money for that, mm-hmm. for lost time, wages, hurt, pain, um, suffering. All that was paid. So there have been examples of this happening across the world. Mm-hmm. But so somehow with black people, this seems to be mm-hmm. a very... Oh, you need you know. to forgive and mm. forget. That's mm. in the past. Right. You right. know, it's complicated. I want to say that reparations, that reparations conversation that's happening in the U.S. right now is one conversation. Mm-hmm. And with me, for myself, centering my work, my research, everything, um, with a lens focusing on the Caribbean and the region more broadly, whether you're Afro-Caribbean, um, Latin Caribbean, Dutch, French speaking, all of these things. Mm-hmm. For me, that conversation of reparations looks must look very different from the conversation that's happening in the U.S. concerning um, African-Americans and reparations. For example, I'm Guyanese. My maternal side of the family, my great-grandmother was indentured servants that came from Madras, India. Mm -hmm. They came 
meet up with some Bajans on the other side of my family, <laughs> you know, from my father's side, mm-hmm. ended up in Guyana. Like, so everyone's mixed up in a different kind of way. Mm-hmm. So reparations also really insist that we look at ethnicity, insist that we look at people, where people come from and breaking up that story because it doesn't look one way. And the Caribbean is so rich with everyone coming from a different place. It's truly a melting pot mm-hmm. that we have to think about reparations in the Caribbean very differently than it's being thought about here because it's a very different kind of conversations because you can have in Guyana, for example, we have China, we have Chinese, we have some Portuguese people coming in now. We have Afro-Guyanese, we have um, mm-hmm. white Guyanese, we have a lot of different, we have Indi- Indo-Guyanese. So mm-hmm. it's not mm-hmm. one, just one face of who would quote unquote deserve reparations or be entitled to it mm-hmm. because our populations are so, such Diverse. a mixed culture. Yeah. So it's a different thing altogether that I think is missing from the conversation. So my Pan-Africanism is kicking up. Right I, we, we get into you. Um, so I just wanted to, <laughs> I just, <laughs> radar, radar, radar. I just wanted to tie, um, tie everything together um you shared a, a article with us that titles caribbean wins reparation payments can can you speak to the listeners about that yes so as you were saying um there is so going back to dr beckles um one major win is that uh the university of glasgow is has actually officially recognized that the jamaican slave owners adopted the University of Glasgow as a university choice, and 200 million pounds of value was extracted from Jamaica and the Caribbean. Um, This came about in 2018. They're fighting for the Europeans to actually pay reparations to the Caribbean, um, as we know with the brutal transatlantic slave trade and everything under that umbrella. Mm -hmm. So the University of the West Indies is leading this conversation, and they're asking for the UK to pay up, which is necessary. Yeah, yeah. Now, I, I, I want to go back. I think that you are right, Kat, in that there is, it's a different, but I think there's a lot of similarities, True. right? And I want to I wanna make sure that I highlight that. Yes, the Caribbean, we have different experiences um, than those uh, African-Americans. Um, but then I think also about the fact that there's been a lot of migration that's occurred. Mm-hmm. And some a lot of our Caribbean folks have also come here into the United States, making the matter of uh, reparations a very a much more complicated one. I will say this for sure that um, I think about it from the terms of if you have African ancestry and you are living in a particular region of the world where you know the transatlantic slave trade occurred. Or even if you're in Africa and have been victims of uh, colonization and colonialism, then you had this conversation really applies to you. And um, what I would think is, I think what's a little different is how reparation occurs and like what do we find to be important in certain regions. Now, um, in the Caribbean, what I can say the big distinction is that Caribbeans are nations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Whereas here in the United States, it's people. Right. Right. And so it's going to definitely look different, I think, when you're trying to say, I need to get money to a particular nation. And then that nation then has to figure out how that money is, is spent and used. Right. Right. Versus here in the United States. We're one nation. Where it's one nation already, but it's about a people, people. Mm-hmm. here in the United States. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. And so those are, I think, I think uh, for me, an important distinction. Um, you bring up the, you talk about a little bit about like, yes, uh, the Caribbean is a melting pot. There are a lot of different folks have come into the Caribbean culture. Um, there's a history there. I'm not too sure. And I'm not, I'm not going to say this. There's a limited knowledge that I have of other people's experience other than, let's say, the African experience within the Caribbean, mm -hmm. right? I'm, I'm, I know I know a little bit about the Arawaks. I know a little bit about the indigenous folks here. Um, I don't know much about uh, folks who are from Southeast Asia. I don't know more about folks who are from Asia itself, um, mm -hmm. the Chinese who've come in. And I don't have that particular le knowledge of, like, let's say, the Afro-Latinas mm -hmm. and Latinos who c consider themselves Caribbean. So I, I'm speaking only uh, from the African experience. And mm -hmm. I'm sure, right. Right. you know, I think about it from the fact that, yeah, if you're from Africa, then you, reparations, is, the conversation has to happen with you. Mm -hmm. um, so I guess for me, sometimes when I hear it, I am a little bit worried. And this mm -hmm. is going to really segue right into our conversation about Eidos. Mm hmm or Ados, whatever the hell they call it. It's, it's Ados. Ados. Okay. So, so wait before you, before because yeah. you're like a runaway train with this, which right. we're, we're fine with Mansa. Right. So let's uh, first define for um, our listeners what Ados stands for, um, just, just to give fair playing field. So Ados, A-D-O-S, mm -hmm. American Descendants of Slavery. Right. Um. You'll more popularly find it on social media or Twitter or Instagram, wherever you get your social media fix as hashtag ADOS. And it was started by the brain trust of Yvette Cornell, Carnell, excuse me, um, who is the host of Breaking Brown, which is a political show. And um, she is a grad, a graduate of Howard University. Mm -hmm and a UCLA alumnus and an attorney. And her co-founder is Antonio Moore, Antonio Moore, who hosts the weekly radio show Tone Talks. So again, ADOS stands for American Descendants of Slaves, Slavery, excuse me. And they seek to reclaim and restore the critical national character of the African-American identity and experience one that is grounded in their group's unique lineage and which is central to their continuing struggle for social and economic justice in the United States. So that is who they are. That's who they were founded by. And that's what they're about. So go ahead. Thank you. Thank You're you. welcome. I thank you for teeing that up for the folks. Um, yeah, I, I think um, from Ados, Ados, Still mispronouncing your name. Ados. Um, <laughs> the, the question is, is for me, it, it raises a point. I think that for me, reparations uh, from a Pan-Africanist perspective is about all people who are descendants um, from Africa, mm -hmm. not descendants of just, you know, of slavery, in particular here in America. But just for me, I see it as much more of a large discussion. I believe that when you talk about reparations on like the ground floor, it has it's going to look different in different places, but that there should be more of a unified understanding of this. I think if it, for me, there's power in unity. Caricom's mm -hmm. uh, 10-point plan to me is something that everybody else should be thinking about. Um, you know, and so... We thank you for defining Eidos and its movement. What's in particularly important for people to note about this movement is that it's exclusionary. It excludes people or immigrants 
right? Yes. And, and excludes people. Like, like, so if you're from African ancestry, you have to live here, you moved here, you're second or third generation here from another country that, and you're of African descent and you were, your family also suffered from slavery and suffered from, you know, uh, the atrocities associated with slavery. You don't have any kind of connection to them. They don't want to hear about that. They're not concerned about you. They're not concerned about you. Even if, literally, even if your mom just so happens to be Grenadian, i.e. Malcolm X. Right. <laughs> right. Even if, like it, they don't care about um, your skin in the game, so to speak. So even right. if you've had mm-hmm. have a long history of um, advocacy and fighting for the people mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. a whole. Yeah. Right. They don't care if you're one eighth, whatever. Right. They don't care. Shirley Chisholm. You're not a, a part. Right. Okay. Who I just found Audrey out Lord. is. um. Audrey Lord, that's so like, right. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. think about Kamala Harris. Yeah. You know, I got feelings about Kamala, but <laughs> I'm just saying I'm not going to go into my feelings about her. <laughs> right, but, right. you know, she is doing her thing oh, in a certain arena. And Adel's she tore her p- apart. You know, for reasons that we can get into. But <laughs> without this acknowledgement of other people coming and, and contributing, right. we would not have had a Barack Obama. If people want to be right. real with it, mm-hmm. with his parents being from... You know, obviously his father being from Kenya, mm-hmm. but like under what they're talking about, they're like Obama who? Right. 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 And I think that's the problem I have. This definition, right, of uh, and this exclusion to me is so problematic. And the biggest issue I have, as I think, thank you so much, Kat, for mentioning it, is there have been contributions made from folks here in America fighting for justice for black people. Right. And they, period. period. Not just not right. Caribbean not, black people. people. No. Pe- right. Black people. Black people. Because when we get here, we all know it. It's 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 real facts. They're not looking at me Listen. as a Jamaican or looking at you as a Guyanese. Right. They're not looking at you like that. You Ma- just black. Matter of fact, if Listen. you do have Caribbean mm. um lineage, you're black, 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 black. Listen. Like you were different kind of black. Also, <laughs> may I point out that to that point if you find yourself in some kind of trouble and the police are at your door, they're not asking you, um, right. which country do you hail from? <laughs> no. they. I mean, look at Amadou Diallo. Yes. Yeah. Look at Rest His Soul. Look at Bottom Jean Rest His Soul. Yeah. So many of these folks that have high Suffered profile police of... brutality, mm-hmm. a good number of them are immigrants. Yes. Black immigrants from, right. from abroad. So mm-hmm. it's really important to de- delineate that at the end of the day, we are all black people. And I, yes, and the beauty, that's the thing I, I, I struggle with with them is because it, it, it comes from this right wing conservative kind of background. Yvette Clark is, 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 is problematic because part of her history, she's part of some conservative right wing leaning type of. Uh, I think she is aligned with an anti immigration right. under Trump's administration, some, some sort of affiliation. There. Progressive for immigration reform. Yeah, they, thank you. And Kat. Yvette Carnell, it's just we don't want the bots coming after us. I think you called her something else. Clark oh, or something. Sorry, sorry. But, sorry. Yes. Thank, thank you. Thank, thank you, Kat. See? See? Resident that's expert. That. That's what we need. Fat check. Fat <laughs> check on the spot. We don't want the bots. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And look, look, and look, I, I, I just want. I, I, I struggle with that and I, I want to understand like this is coming from what why I, I was asking myself why and then it's it because it becomes quite plain to me I feel that this is another way to separate us as a people 
to have this conversation about reparations, it has to be a unified front. If we're going to get anything done, excluding the millions of people with Caribbean ancestry in this country, ain't going to get it done. Mm. And just know, we are part of the fabric of this place called America. Hello. We're we not going nowhere anytime soon. So to try to make this distinction and say, and then myself was like, all right, so you're going to do, uh, how, 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 how far are you going to go back? Because then what kind of testing are you going to do to ensure that there's a purity of, of African-American in you? Right. I think it it takes away from the broader picture. Right, right. Uh, and the focus is on the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, at, at least if there was a, a 10 point plan of what we wanted, at least mm-hmm. if we knew definitively what the request is, what reparations look like, because in me doing what I do as a figure outist, mm-hmm. you know, going through articles and and watching different, you know, from different sources, watching different material, mm-hmm. it, there doesn't seem to be one ask. And, you know, I listen to a number of people, you know, and you would always hear, for example, David Banner, shout out to David Banner. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You would always hear him say, you know, we, and I'm paraphrasing, mm-hmm. so we struggle in the area of we don't have one cohesive message. We don't even have a flag, dog. Like, we don't even have one thing that we can come together and and, and say, right. this this right. this is what we're demanding. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we right? did at one point. And we did at one point, mm-hmm. not to interrupt you, but no, we, no. And we did at one point, and that's where, you know, the Pan-African movement has done so much, and I will give it its credit, um, although I've shifted from that, but I'll give it its credit because mm-hmm. it really unified people. You had folk traveling from continental Africa, from the Caribbean to the U.S., and they were bringing their scholarship with them. They were coming in and doing work together. Mm-hmm. They were sitting in Kwame Toure, I mean, Stokely Carmichael, anybody. Mm-hmm. Like, people were oh. doing the work together, mm-hmm. right? Um, and it was necessary. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. No, I, I and that, that's that's the thing. I, I and thank you guys for bringing all this stuff up. I, for me, that's the problem, right? The the messages aren't aligned. We need to be coming through with a unified voice. Um, if you're here in America, we understand that reparations is going to look different. Yeah, right. I do. If you wanted to say, hey, we need to ensure that those who were here in America get some real good benefits from the reparation plan. Um, and, you know, maybe you said you should carve out a certain amount of tell me your plan for this, because you telling me, nah, bro, you from this other place and we can't. Ma- hey, come on now. Come on. That's problematic <laughs> off the face of it. Right. But if you give me details, mm-hmm. uh, just like how in terms of the CARICOM reparations plan, they got 10 points. It's not great research. Good ask. We, you need something like that for me to re- and then also break down why is it that you're trying to separate that? Don't it sounds friggin' racist off the face of it? <laughs> now look, let, let me let, let me let, let me just take a step back. I just gotta say this for also look, we as Caribbean people also here we have had our own attitudes towards African Americans too. I don't know whether the resentment is coming back from when you hear your superiors say, "I'm not American." Right. You know what? I'm gl- I'm happy you brought that up because I did come across um, this young lady who was sharing her thoughts about ADOS, and she is um, how, uh, what you would define as a American mm-hmm. black black American, mm-hmm. right? And she was talking about how growing up she didn't really encounter too many Caribbean black Americans, right? And just the simple fact that there was this 
divide, right? That uh, there's a chasm between us, right? And we t- we've even discussed it. I, I think we alluded to it on our show, Caribbean-ish, and how we grew up. And there were certain differences in between how we lived and grew up and what we were taught at home mm-hmm. versus other children who were black American. You know, they go down south for, you know, the holidays and we we go to whatever country we travel and we stamp in passports and they're not necessarily doing that. Right. Their upbringing was very different. And she talked about how this divisiveness in learning how to quote unquote, get along with Caribbean black people and, and and closing that divide. So do you think, so this is more of a question, do you think we as first gen Caribbean descendants perpetuate that divisiveness within? Mm, let me jump in, right? So let mm. me jump in, let me jump in, because this got me, this is the thing that I'm always thinking about. Um, so I will give Adolf their props in one aspect that I can recognize that they are saying we have deep rooted, long-seated issues here that are affecting our community, and we have gotten to short end of the stick, and we we are demanding justice in these many ways now. Yes. I give them their props for that, because they have forced this conversation mm-hmm. to happen on the debate stages for Agreed. these people that have been trying to run for president. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I also think it's a little misguided in that, talk to your government. Ask them why they're doing you wrong. <laughs> it's not my fault they did you wrong. Like. Talk, hold your government accountable. Mm-hmm. And I say your government, yes, I live in the U.S., yes, I am a United States citizen, you know. Lisa, but, is not your president. And listen, <laughs> so, <laughs> so basically, president you know, I think that there is something to holding the U.S. accountable. Mm-hmm. For example, like I'm an education scholar, and in some of my works prior, like I have presented at international conferences, whether I've gone to Cuba, presented there. I've gone to Colombia, presented there on Caribbean matters. And because I study education, and one of their arguments, one of Adolf's arguments is that folks are coming in and getting scholarship that they don't deserve. Folks are coming in with immediate um, entry to United States institutions. And there is a large percentage of the black population that are in higher education institutions that are from immigrant populations that are either continental Africans or Caribbeans. Um, But... The problem then lies within, ask your institutions why they're not disaggregating the data to find out where people are actually from. Because it benefits them to say, oh, we have all these black students under this B black, big B umbrella, but we're not finding out where people are from. They don't want to know where people are from because it doesn't benefit them to tell that narrative. So if we look at what where the money is, you'll often find who the perpetrator is. And so I think part of the issue is that they're not asking some of the right questions. Instead of putting people against each other, like for real, if they're talking about education, yes, most of my education has been paid for. Yes, all of my lineage is from somewhere else. But I'm not going to come here and turn down a scholarship that that was given to me. But at the same time, ask your institutions for um, transparency. Ask them why they're not telling you to ask, they're not asking the right questions on their applications. They're not asking because they want to have their percentages look as, we are so diverse. Our diversity numbers are jumping up every year. But they're not telling you that what portion of that is international, mm. what portion is immigrant, what portion is from here, there, and there, because they're selling you a product and an idea. I could talk about this all day because I study education. Uh, but like, wait a minute. But it's a problem. You, you know touched on something. Like, no, thank you for saying that. Account- hold people accountable because mm-hmm. they are diverting your eyes over there mm. and got you fighting here. But like at the same time, 
they're fooling you for other things you're not even thinking about. But wait a minute, Kat, you said something um, that actually connects us back to um, our second episode when we were talking about the census, right? So right. we're in 2020 and it's census time, you know, and Mansa made a very important point. <clears throat> to you know specify hey don't just mark black on your form mark that you are you know you have uh, you're a descendant of or where mm -hmm. you're from where you've immigrated from mm -hmm. that matters that counts it matters. Yeah. so it yeah matters. that's it matters know, go circles back to your point yep. it matters yeah it matters in so many ways and i've literally this has been a, one of my soapboxes i've been talking about for five years now is hold people accountable and the data matters and you need to count us here and also with the census there is and this is me going down a higher ed path again but there are higher ed scholars that are doing work to ask for um clear you know clear information on who folks are for the latinx community and mm -hmm. where their parents are from where their grandparents are from mm -hmm. country of origin because they want to be counted differently so we need to be asking for the same thing um that's such a cat. Yeah, such a good point, man. Mm -hmm. Like that's I didn't even think about it in that. Yeah, because right? they've been doing that for years, though. So are you Hispanic? Right. Or are you Latin? Are you? They've been asking those questions for years. Yeah. Why? The education part to me is mm -hmm. a big one for yeah. me. That 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 has me thinking because I'm saying to myself, "Wow, you're right." So when black folks or like say uh, black Americans are thinking about access to education, right. these institutions are crossing off a list. Right. Yes. So yes. it's not that we are coming in just taking stuff. Your institution is putting something in there as well. Mm -hmm. So asking the questions, begging the point, mm -hmm. doing more research to find out why, what's actually really going on. When they talk about immigration, let's just talk. So Kat brought it up. She, yeah. she set it off. So yeah. I'm going down let's, that path. Let's go. Right. Go down that path. So the reason why immigrants get jobs, they may not be getting good paying jobs. Let's put right. it right there. Because jobs, we talk about jobs, people don't, don't understand this quality of jobs, mm -hmm. right? So we're talking about, yeah, they get jobs. And they'll tell you on the face of it, yeah, immigrants are getting jobs over here, but they're low-paying jobs that no one weren't willing to take. Mm -hmm. Right. So th th this illusion that I'm coming right. in to take a job from you right. or I'm taking something like that is is false. Because actually, in actuality, the job that you actually want mm -hmm. is a good-paying job, a job right. that gives you a living wage. A lot of immigrants that are coming into this country are taking jobs just because they want to feed their family and they just want to survive, and it's not good quality work. So I'm actually happy you brought that up because I heard that conversation from, um, from other podcast mm -hmm. hosts that I listen to, uh, Kadeen and um, Deval yes. from Deadass. Shout Madison out to Deadass. Madison in the house. <laughs> Shout out to that couple, you know. Um, and Deval, I believe a part, he's you know, African-American, um, his roots are here in America. And he talked about that. And Kadeen is of Caribbean background. Yeah. And so he talked about um, the difference that they had when they first dating, um, the, how they viewed black Americans and how Caribbeans viewed black American people. And he did make mention about how, you know, yes, there are jobs, but we deserve more respect because our ancestors have been here toiling and working and mm -hmm. we, you know, we, we, we should demand a certain level of respect. So we're not going to take that two cents per hour because you're talking about uh, individuals who have, 
given for generations uh, free, skilled labor. How dare you? So it's almost an insult to their their pride, right? As a people, because they were right. fighting for equality, and and you know now the fight has not only is no longer a fight for equality, but equity, right? I I agree with that mm-hmm. point. I, I think. Herein lies the rub. What what Kat was referring to about asking your institutions what's right. going on. Because then the question is, why are there capitalism is allowing for these low paying jobs? That's how capitalism works. Right. <laughs> right? Welcome, you, you have... live in a capitalistic society. Exactly. Right. And you have to have cheap labor right. in order for you to be able America to America has large been built. Right. So the question right. is, mm-hmm. like, the institutions that are allowing for these things to occur. Right. So here's why the the uh, problem of Eidos mm-hmm. is this, right? You're mm-hmm. not, you're going after the wrong folks. Mm-hmm. Not only that, but maybe they need to broaden their scope. Do you have an economist on deck? Do you have an educator on deck? Well, Do you have a medicine, a person that does public health on deck? Hold like, on, hold on. You know, I'm wondering. I'm wondering. If I may. Please. As a figure it outist. <laughs> okay. So there I've noticed in in, in reading um, again the pros and cons. Um, because I again I'm still trying to figure out my way through Eidos and what they are. And I like, again I like your convenience stance though. Okay. Listen, yo, no, but <laughs> I, there are things that they're saying just because I there are things that they're saying that I definitely just don't agree. Right. Period. Right, right. However, like I said earlier, I can understand their their point. I understand no, what just, they're I'm saying. Just you know that. I, <laughs> you know so the, their their biggest argument or one of their major arguments is they are working towards closing the racial wealth gap. Right. So. Black Americans, and and this is data that I pulled Mm -hmm. off the internet, right? Black Americans hold less than 3% of the nation's wealth, despite um, constituting 12 to 13% of the nation's population, right? And then data from a 2016 survey of consumer finances indicate that the average black household's net worth is $800,000 less than the average white household. So they're saying... That their movement, a part of what they're looking to achieve is to close the racial wealth gap, right? Mm -hmm. However, part and partial to just us black, black American folks, not Caribbean or anybody else. I hear. And so that's where, you know, my issues. That's the issue. I I think. Why? Even the great points that they're making, Mm -hmm. but their methodology how they're going about doing it is incorrect. They were not attacking Eidos on the, the the points that they're making about what's the black experience here in America and the history of slavery and its impact on the people here. We're saying that your methodology is flawed. We're saying you're not asking the right questions. You're not going after the right institutions. The institutions that are here right now are made for the benefit of white people. And you're actually playing into the divide that's going to hurt us as as a whole, not just black Americans, but black people, because Caribbeans have contributed to this country and to the benefit of blacks here. Right. Think about Malcolm X and his movement. His like come on, like there are people here that have been doing great things 
that are from Marcus Garvey, for God Christ's sake. Mm-hmm. Like, without Marcus Garvey, what the hell would be going on here? You're trying to say that you're going to take away everything that Marcus Garvey has done, bringing pride to black people here in America? I'm just saying, like, yeah. your methodology uh, is flawed. So, and we're asking so, yeah. you to go think about it. So here, here's the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, to give them a little credit, they do have, and again, you know where I stand, um, they have an agenda. They have a black agenda, which includes, but is not limited to, um, let's see, they talk here about public policy, health care, health care credit. They want a health care credit. Um, Ados college debt should be forgiven. They talk about, um, there's a lot of discussion about HR 40. So to talk about HR 40, HR 40, um, the commission to study and develop reparation proposals for African-American act, Mm -hmm. um, that information you can find on congress.gov. And, um, basically it's a bill that needs to be passed in order to form a commission to formally mm-hmm. have the discussion about what should be incorporated right. into a reparations mm-hmm. package, yeah. mm-hmm. if you will, right? Our 40 right. acres and a mule. Mm-hmm. 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 Um, well, black America is 40 acres. According to Adolf. Right. 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 I'm just, I'm right. just saying. But then I beg the question, am I not a black American? Well, listen. Ooh. That's a definite. Ooh. That's, that's I, wait. A, I got the Caribbean is so riled up. Yeah, yeah, Hold on. <laughs> All my figuring out is mm. out there. Go ahead. Go go ahead. I'm ready. Uh, <laughs> Am I not Black American? So mm-hmm. okay, I have a couple of thoughts real quick. Okay. So um, there was a question a point made a few minutes ago about um, this aspect of Caribbeans coming here, taking all the work, all. The, the financial opportunities and such, but I want to say that um, there is research that has been done on what happens within a generation, a generation and a half, mm-hmm. two generations going forward with foreign-born Black folks when they come to this country mm-hmm. and how their um, financial wealth goes down the tank. So within a generation and a half, you will see all of this, like, oh, you're coming here and getting all these jobs and making all this money. Within a generation and a half or two, that goes away. I mean, the, the playing board is even. Mm-hmm. So if you're interested in that, you can go look up um, Dr. Crystal George Mwangi. She does a lot of work on foreign-born black students, um, but also the population as a whole. Like, it is not what people are speculating. Mm-hmm. At a certain level, we all even out financially. Yes. So, whew, <laughs> the next thing I want to say... Um, I'm big up to Dr. Crystal because that's my advisor and she's one of like the only f- people in the country that does this work. Shout out to Black Excellence. I came to study with her because there's like three scholars in my field that do this work. Oh, um, yes. And so am I Black American? Would I be a Black American? Okay. So um, not to be facetious, but I say this to my sister's kids, to my nieces and nephews. I'm like, remember where your line comes from. Mm. Do you have grandparents, great-grandparents, great-great-grandparents from this country? No, auntie. Okay, good. So I need you to remember that while you're born here, mm-hmm. you also have a line that comes from somewhere else. And it's important for you to understand that, know your history, to be cognizant of that. Mm-hmm. But also you were born in this country, so you are an Afro-Caribbean person. You are a black American with 
Caribbean roots and heritage. Right. So it's super complicated, and I will never tell anyone what to identify as. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. However, what's real is real. If I don't have any parentage from this country, I don't have it. I'm not going to pretend that I do because that's a very different experience. Mm -hmm. But I also think that the wrong questions, again, are being asked. They're not being nuanced enough to consider that you people are from different places. Mm -hmm. um, people, there are folks with one Caribbean parent, one African-American parent. Okay, that's one thing. So it's, I, that's I, a whole I mean, new... I just, it's a whole, like, I, I really, it gets me, like, it rankles me when folks are not <laughs> competent in thinking and talking about mm -hmm. ethnicity, which is different from race. Mm -hmm. Okay, it's very mm -hmm. different. Right. Um, and it just, this is a whole nother conversation for another day. But like, honestly, it's just people are not thinking about it clearly. So let me poke the hive a little bit. All right. Go ahead. So you asked your nieces and nephews, I, I do you have lineage yes. here in the U.S.? They said no, auntie. Yes. Right. They know. Okay, great. But now wouldn't that take it a step further back? Going back to our initial conversation that we had about the Caribbeans and why only half of the Caribbean countries are having the discussion um, about reparations, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Do we not all have lineage back to Africa? Do right. we? Do we not? So of course we do. Do yeah. I mean? <clears throat> I mean so. I, I yeah, we do. We do. Whether all, all, whether, whether you're, you're ADOS right or well, not, Caribbean, at the end of the day, do we not all come back? Africa. <laughs> no, I, I agree. That's my Pan African. I, I'm always, that that's true. I did that on purpose. Those are facts. I thought so. I see. I see. Jale I see. I'm like ah. Oh, I see where you go. I'm a strategist. Remember? Uh, I got you. I hear you. <laughs> One of the things, uh, acculturation, and Kat brings it up so mm -hmm. so well. You go through this acculturation process, right? And it happens like that. It, it it's just, I there's also like studies that's done that's shown about the mental health of people. Yeah. Right. So you come in as a Caribbean, you might have this great mental health and. And then by the time you go through like a couple of even a couple of years, yeah. you have the same mental health outcomes and even physical outcomes of someone who's living here as a black American. So right. So we, we they, there's a the conversation isn't nuanced enough. That's why we're saying mm -hmm. I'm saying methodology matters. The way you ask Put that questions. on my shirt, please. <laughs> methodology <laughs> matters. matters. Thank you. Right. The way you ask the questions and, 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 and try to parse this thing out mm -hmm. matters. So we have to have much more of a nuanced conversation. And I think Ado's for whatever it is, good intentions uh, and things of that nature, but they're going about this the wrong way, my personal opinion. Mm -hmm. Is that they're going about this the wrong way. They're not asking the right questions. They're not digging deep enough. Um, and they have to step back and, and try to figure this thing out a little bit more. More research needs to get done. More conversation needs to be had. Instead of saying, hey, let's reach across the table to our other black brethren who have been in this country for quite some time, who have been now been assimilated into American culture. Right. Let's right. figure out what's going on there too, because maybe you can find that there's not as different as you, you think. think. Yeah. Right. right. Well, especially uh, yeah. in the experience. So by the time you reach third generation from whatever Caribbean country, you're fully mm -hmm. assimilated into the you know the country. And if that history. Um, of your lineage is not, you know, if you don't have a family historian, so to speak, um, you know, and, and you're not fully immersed in the culture, then it becomes, oh, yeah, my great great grandmother was, you know, 
Saint Saint Lucian. Right. But but you would never know unless you go back right. into the family history, right? Because they are fully now Americanized, right? right? Um, so just to wrap um, our conversation, because we can talk on and on and on for days. So what does this specifically mean for Caribbean Americans as a whole, the ADOS movement? Does it pose a threat to us? And how can we, or how do we approach this as Caribbeans? Caribbean Americans, mm-hmm. first gen, second gen, third gen, um, Caribbeans who, you know, immigrated here and who now live here and who are now citizens. You know, what what does this mean? Well, I'm going to jump in. Mm-hmm. Um, what it means for me has been a shift um, in how I see things. It's been more clarity. So it's been a shift in how I do things, how I move through the world and how I identify. And identity piece for me is key to this conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, Yes, I was born in Guyana, came to the United States as a small child. Mm -hmm. But growing up, I knew that I was from somewhere else, but I also knew outside of the home, I had to assimilate, I had to acculturate to black American culture. And so I did that because that was survival tactics in school, Mm -hmm. either fit in or not, or be out. So I say that there's a reawakening in me as an adult recognizing that I can continue to to give my labor, my emotional labor, all of my thoughts about race and ethnicity, white supremacy to this country, which I live in and I contribute to and I pay taxes in, or I could look over my shoulder and look behind me where I came from and continue to think about giving my energy, my knowledge, my expertise back home. So it's a little bit for me of a, of a personal ideology, mm-hmm. and I think it's where you situate yourself. And so one of the things that I will say is that identity for me is fluid when it comes to international folks, immigrant folks, domestic-born folks. And I think when I say that, I mean specifically, yes, I can code switch between different countries in the Caribbean. I can code switch between different boroughs in New York City. Mm. Mm -hmm. But when it comes down to it, what I carry within me, what drives the work that I do, is knowing my grandmother was a woman that wasn't allowed to do X, Y, and Z, yet she still did it anyway. What drives me is knowing where my family comes from and what they have done and what I can give back by being here, mm-hmm. I need to be able to do both. I need to be able to be here in this country and be a productive citizen mm-hmm. of the United States, but also look back and make a personal choice and effort mm-hmm. to turn my work into something that is useful for folks that are there, like my family that is still in Guyana, my family that's in Suriname. Mm-hmm. Like, for me, that's a personal distinction and it's a personal choice. So to answer your question about what the ADOS movement, how it may be beneficial or not, I think for me, it's kind of, again, relit a fire to focus on the entire region um, because folks are focusing on this country, which I think they need to do. I will never knock them for doing what they need to do, mm-hmm. but don't tell me that I can't focus on me at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Well, I mean, that. Well, then. Uh, you know, uh, I mean, for me, I, first of all, let me just answer that question about ADOS. I think it, for me, it's problematic, of course. Um, I, as I keep going back to it, that I think their methodology is flawed. I think mm-hmm. I agree with their points. I understand 
all that. And it's, I, no one could sit here and have a conversation negating what they're saying in regards to the experience that blacks have and what should be happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but I have Caribbean ancestry. And so part of my identity now is being challenged as being not part of this conversation. And I feel as if we talked about, we talked about acculturation mm-hmm. today. We talked about how, yes, you kind of become more black American here when you get here. Mm-hmm. Um, but but just in conversations with Kat, the new term Caribbean-ness has started piquing interest in my mind. Mm-hmm. And even with a show that we're doing, you know what I'm saying, right now, our podcast is focused on the Caribbean millennial experience because we want to look back. Mm-hmm. Because it's understandable. It's Sankofa. We, you cannot, it's not passe to go back and forget what you have forgotten. We have to take a look at that because our past, our history is important. And so for me, when it comes to reparations, even from a Pan-African perspective, I still feel that the, I, I should be focusing on the Caribbean too. Mm. That even though I want the unity of all black people across the world, that there is something unique about my experience as Caribbean that I need to address. The issues that are impacting our Caribbean nations, I have to take a look at that as well. And so we can't just, I'm not going to separate the two. Mm -hmm. I think it's all part of me becoming a better Pan-Africanist is really ensuring that the Caribbean region I have is taken care of as well. And so, you know... um, that's my personal feelings around Eidos and um, and how I really tr- kind of view this whole thing. So taking in all of everything that we've shared, all of the information that I've come across and read thus far, as a figure it outist, um, I, I, I feel as if the conversation has asked me to choose Mm. you know and and as as I said earlier do how do I identify right am I going to choose to be black American and if I choose to do that then some will say well you're doing that because it's convenient for you so when it's convenient for you to benefit being a black American citizen that's what you're going to pick and when it's convenient for you to be a Caribbean American, you're going to pick. So I do not agree with the fact that you're asking me to deny part of my heritage. Actually, the part that has formed and and provided the structure of, of who I have become and who I continue to develop and grow into. So there's that. I have come to the decision, the, uh, the, the decision thus far mm-hmm that this movement is quite divisive. And anytime there is something that is causing a divide, um, so to to pluck a gem out of scripture, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The devil's job is to divide, Mm -hmm. right? And destroy. destroy, And we as Black Amer- black people, period, no matter what your background or lineage, we've we have gotten to this point, I believe. OK, so let me just go back a little bit before when we were segregated. Right. And this this conversation has come up constantly um, before we were segregated, we were forced it wasn't a problem. Not we were forced, but it wasn't a problem for us to unify. 
right? So even tracing it back to when we were captured mm -hmm. as slaves, you're talking about different warriors from different tribes, different people from different African nations now forced into this space. Mm -hmm. We had to unify. Right. We didn't have a choice. Right. We had to unify. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Then again, throughout slavery, we did have internal divisiveness, your house Negro, your field Negro. Mm -hmm. Then uh, we were quote unquote freed, right? And that's another show because we were only freed, not because uh, white supremacists decided that this is the best God fearing thing to do. Uh, this is a capitalist uh, strategic move, right? Mm -hmm. That's, that's why, mm -hmm. um, you know, we were quote unquote freed. Right. And again, we were forced into a position where we had to unify. Mm -hmm. um, this Adolf's movement is just one more thing. It's it's like a cycle, right? We separate, we unify. We separate, we unify. And, and, and I just think this is a part of that cycle where now we're being divided again. And I don't like it. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's progressive. Uh, I don't think, again, like you said, I don't think the right questions are being asked. I don't think the right people are being asked the right questions. Mm -hmm. um, so that that's where I am on this conversation mm -hmm. um, as a figure it out -ist. And again, this is just my personal opinion. And this entire show was not about attacking any one group or, you know, demeaning a group or whatever the case may be. It's simply to raise your awareness because until this subject was brought to me, I was living my life. <laughs> I was paying my taxes, doing what I do and worried about other things. But I've now realized that this is a movement. This is something that's going on that I do need to be concerned about and more involved, especially since we're headed into the 2020 election um, yeah. uh, conversation. Mm -hmm. And as you've watched any candidate that we pick it's going to be important it's so important are they having the discussions about reparations so bringing it back full circle to where we initially started our conversation right reparations right mm -hmm. reparative justice i like that that term that's being thrown around with caricom reparative justice that is such a critical part of uh no matter what in uh, level we're voting on, right? Mm -hmm. um, especially, like I said, the federal level, we have our presidential um, elections coming up. Mm -hmm. So thank you. Yeah, I, I thought today was a, a interesting discussion. I felt I felt that there was a lot of grace given, mm. personally. Okay. Um, because we really wanted to beg the question today and really get a little deeper understanding of why certain things were being asked. Um, and giving some some good perspectives, and uh, we're not negating the points of Eidos. Um, we're talking about reparations as a whole, mm -hmm. and we are looking at flaws that and obstacles that will stand in the way of us actually achieving that goal. And so that's why this movement, to me, has is is, is problematic, and why we need to be um, considering other options um, in terms of the twenty twenty election that's coming up. Um, definitely is part of the discussion. I think we need to be more strategic in our thinking about this. Um, I don't necessarily believe that I want a candidate now to have to say, yes, I'm for this particular thing. I need to know that your policies are imp or that you're trying to push mm -hmm. are going to be benefiting black people as a whole. Period. And for me personally, health care is the most important issue because if we're not healthy enough to fight, then what the hell are we, we, we doing? 
Our people are dying. Our people, um, uh, healthcare is the number one route for bankruptcy here, especially for black people. But yeah, we can get into another time. I know this. Is, we I want to challenge that a little bit, only because I think that's the end of the. Co- you're not looking at the other side of the coin, right? Right. So yeah, healthcare. Mm-hmm. Yes, healthcare is important. Mm-hmm. P- prevention is important. Right. However, on the other side of that. What about the food? What about the agricultural policies that are being passed? Look no. at what look at what the FDA is doing. I, I like, completely agree. It, I, I, but I'm, I'm, I think it's loaded. Me, okay, it's a loaded it's question, loaded. and I feel like we we definitely this is another show we can set it up. I definitely feel we gotta set this up because we definitely gonna do a 2020. Uh, My public, I'm a public healthist too. Yes, yes, yeah, and I'm about that, and I think that mm-hmm. definitely I, I I'm looking at a candidate mm-hmm. who are going to actually push that. So if you can push for public uh, for, 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 for Medicare for all, I think you could damn sure push for FDA to do better. So, uh, but but that's just me personally. Anyway, mm-hmm. wrapping that my, my thing up, reparations, very important discussion. I, I want to thank you guys today for, for, um, for diving into this. I think it was a great conversation. I agree. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> this is a wonderful conversation. I'm so happy to be here. Um, and I hope that what folks can at least hear me saying is that for me, I'm a Caribbeanist who happens to study education. That's that's how I am. That's that's what you'll know about me. But I say that the differences between the groupings, whether you're a continental African, whether you're African American, whether you're Afro Caribbean, the differences between the group are what the groups are what I'm focusing on. And I think if we paint everybody with a broad brush and say, well, we're all kumbaya under the same umbrella, we then run the risk of losing um, the specifics of what our needs are. And so as people that are like, my country is in South America, we got a whole nother set of issues. Your country may be here, you have a whole nother set of issues. Then we come here and move to this country, which is a whole nother layered thing altogether. And I think we just run the risk of being erased. And that is my main concern, which is why I've moved from being a Pan-Africanist toward being a Caribbeanist. Um, And I think we have to hold folks accountable to recognize our needs, whether it's migration, deportation issues, whether it's thinking about the health disparities that affect black immigrants mm-hmm. um, while we're here, because we're here, we're here, we're in the space already. So like, mm-hmm. talk about what we need, talk about what's happening with us, but I think we have to push the issue um, and be a little obnoxious. And you can also be very proud to be a person that's living in this country and contributing and be well-informed um, but you can also care about where you come from and do work that matters at the same time. And I think it's a personal choice. And I implore you all to do a little research and just look back because it'll give you answers. You can smell the question, right, coming no, off I of me. But oh, you didn't. OK, so I have questions, um, but we, we have to we have to conclude. I definitely feel there's a part two coming. <laughs> yeah, we're definitely going to have to circle back. <laughs> yeah, there's some really yeah. We still is this, like, so, like we said, this is a loaded conversation. Right. Mm-hmm. So before we wrap, wrap, um, please tell us where the people can find oh, Caribbean yeah. scholar Tings. Where can yeah. they find you? Um, so we are on Twitter. We live on Twitter. Um, we have lots of good conversations there. Um, CST underscore digital underscore on Twitter. Also, you can find us on Instagram. So the podcast is called Caribbean Scholar Things, and you can find it on iTunes. You can find it on Spotify. And 
Soon to be. Soon to be on FetWorld.com. Yeah, FreightWorld.com is coming soon. Yeah. yeah. Um, We're setting up the website currently. Uh, Big shout out to our folks, uh, Stephen and um, Fabian and Shout team. out to the team. Yeah. So if you want to find uh, what happened to your accent, you can also find us on the gram mm-hmm. at what happened to your accent. Uh, also, you can find us under the Fet World Network banner on mm-hmm. SoundCloud as yes. well as I, Apple, yeah, iTunes. iTunes. Yes, yeah. uh, Spotify. Uh, you can go to wherever you can get your, get your podcast. You can find us. The places. Yes. Mm-hmm. So thank you to our listeners. Thank you um, to our newly uh, onboarded <laughs> resident scholar, Mansa. Thank mm-hmm. you. Yeah, um, this was definitely a very spirited um, intellectual conversation about the things that uh, are, you know, impacting us. Yeah. Absolutely. Take care, everybody. Yes. Peace. Peace. A regional integration The Federation First step towards this vision Though we went through some rugged times We refuse to let go But what good is a team When one from ten leaves zero So we must stand up when we fall Cause our